Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. Hi, this is Christina Harrington, editor in the X office. So we're really excited because we're bringing another Marvel Science, Women of Science sort of podcast. And, you know, uh, myself, while I'm not on the podcast, I've been doing some amazing science videos that should be upcoming soon on Marvel's YouTube. But as part of that program, we've been talking to uh, Boeing and the different ladies at Boeing. And we're really excited to bring one of the fellow Women of Science from Boeing. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, Judy and Christine. Uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's really exciting to talk to, you know, the world about science and uh, just share the passion we have here at Boeing uh, with everybody out there. My name is Kavya Manyapu. I work in flight crew operations and testing, designing our next generation spacecraft. Uh, we call it the Starliner, which will be carrying our astronauts to and from the International Space Station. So it's really exciting. In addition to that, I also get to work uh, in the International Space Station flight operations out here in Johnson Space Center. Um, and I recently completed my PhD. In fact, I'll be graduating um, this Friday uh, with my PhD in aerospace sciences. That's fabulous. Congratulations. Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> Um, for the, for the record, I had the opportunity to sit in the um, in the in the in the vehicle that uh, Kavio was talking about, the prototype that they have, and it's amazing. First of all, because it's going to go into space. Can we just say space is cool? Space is the coolest. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like what you're doing is so interesting because it's it's so important to not only science in general, but also where we're going as as U.S. citizens, and, and but also where we're going as international to the future of like how do we get further into space and how do we get back to the space station uh, so the the vehicle that you're working on right now is it's the, called the starliner correct correct very cool the starliner cst 100 and the 100 in the name actually stands for the 100 kilometer space line the carmen line so that's kind of the edge of space oh, oh wow that's so interesting i had no idea that sounds great. And, and it's going to be used to ferry astronauts uh, back and forth to the International Space Station, right? That's like the whole plan of it? That's correct. After the space shuttle has um, retired back in, the, in 2011, um, the United States wanted to develop a strategic capability to carry our astronauts from the U.S. soil to the International Space Station. And so far, we've been relying on the Russian Soyuz. Um, and once we have this capability, we'll be actually taking our astronauts to and from the International Space Station. That's fabulous. Um, I think I read somewhere that it can also be used when it's docked as like a, a new habitable space. Is that right? Did I read that wrong? So uh, the capability we have is just like the Soyuz right now, the Russian Soyuz takes up, carries astronauts, and we the Soyuz is actually docked to the International Space Station as a rescue vehicle in case of any emergencies. You can come back in that pod just in the same way the Starliner has a capability of staying on orbit for about six months wow. and um, in case of you know a return that's necessary we can carry our astronauts back that's fabulous that's so cool it looks a lot to me like the um like the like the apollo pod i know I'm, I'm calling it the wrong thing but it looks a lot like that did it take a lot of inspiration from like like previous iterations of various like pods and shuttles we've we've created i guess one of the cool things is, um, especially being, you know, having to work in an extreme environment like space, 
we need to be both, um, you know, have lessons, take lessons learned from previous vehicles and apply innovative techniques to design something new and fitting to the current generation. So we've started using proven heritage uh, designs, like, for example, inspired from Apollo uh, and started coming up with innovative techniques to how to make it fit for this next generation. And so the, the outside looks like, you know, the Apollo inspired by the Apollo, the same capsule shaped mission, um, the capsule shaped spacecraft. And then uh, we've applied several unique features to it uh, that can survive, you know, um, whatever extreme environments we are going to face uh, to take our astronauts to the International Space Station. That's so cool. I love the idea of like looking to the past and updating it and developing it for the future. Like that's just, that's fabulous. Yeah. Have you been sort of, obviously this is a a multi-year sort of process. So as you work through, it's like, what is, what was like from the beginning to now to seeing it come to life? What does it feel like to see, see something that was probably your baby, like a realistic possibility for testing soon? Yeah, um, I've started working on this about six and a half years ago and pretty much seeing all of the designs on paper and in CAD models and now they're actually coming to life and I often like to brag that, hey, we're going to have our first fingerprints on this next generation spacecraft and it literally is you know, becoming a reality. Uh, so just you know, going from that design and concepts that you're brainstorming with your team and actually cutting metal and now we're going to test our astronauts, you know, um, in the vehicle itself uh, with our suits and all of the equipment. That's going to be very exciting. That sounds that sounds so cool. Um, just be able to, like, watch the whole process. Like, I, I, like, I want to be there. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, let's see this I know. I, what where Christina is fangirling about, I definitely was fangirling <laughs> when I had the opportunity to come to the to the headquarters and see the, the, the space. I mean, obviously, being in Florida and being in Cape Canaveral and the history of, of space is sort of amazing. But, you know, on top of sort of, like, looking at the past but also the future, you know, one of the things that, you know, what you guys are looking forward to is how to get more humans what what's the the longevity of humans in space and it looks like you're sort of working on technology to help humans survive longer in space what is that what does that mean for for us in the future uh, so I'll just talk a little bit about my research aspect from my PhD. I got to focus on uh, next generation spacesuits, which I think is really, really cool that I got this opportunity. Um, looking forward from moving from, we've had astronauts um, surround our orbit for the last 15 years. We've had the International Space Station orbiting and people actually get surprised that we've had astronauts up there every single day for the last 15 years orbiting Earth. Uh, now, when we're looking into the future, we are planning on sending you know, humans back to the moon. We are planning on sending humans to Mars and beyond. Um, one of the things that uh, you know, we realized when we sent humans to moon back in the 1960s is how, and, and this may come out as very, very trivial, how uh, the, the moon dust was really something that um, impeded our space operations on the moon. And that didn't come across right away. But after we sent our you know, astronauts to the moon, we've realized that if we have to go back to the moon and keep them alive for you know, the next six months or one year, whatever 
how many ever long duration um, months our mission is going to operate for, we need to overcome some of these challenges uh, that may seem trivial but are equally important. So one of the things I got to work on is coming up with a new technology to um, make sure that our spacesuits uh, are not degraded by dust and you can reuse them over and over for several months and the technology can be applied to space habitats as well. Uh, so I started you know, looking into that research problem and came up with a technology where we could um, embed the spacesuit with a uh, very high performance, very re uh, new material called carbon nanotubes and be able to protect our spacesuits and space habitats from uh, not just moon dust, but it could also be applied for Mars and um, other planetary surfaces with dust. That's amazing. Like to develop those kinds of technologies, like like it kind of you have to really think outside the box because you have to think about an environment that you've never been to that other people have. But then you have to think about the various ways that that environment is going to impact just people out there. Like I love these. Um, what, what were they called? They called uh, analog missions. And you were involved in the analog Mars mission that NASA puts together. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Because I, like, as I researched this and went down the rabbit hole deeper and deeper, I was like, this is fascinating. All of the questions you have to ask and then answer and then do a step beyond it is just so incredible to me. So I'd love to know a little bit more about those analog missions. Sure. Um, so I got to participate in three analog missions. One was conducted by NASA here at Johnson Space Center, and it was an isolation and confinement study where you are mimicking, along with three other crew members, you get selected to that program, and you're mimicking a mission to an asteroid. And in that case, you you are just stuck in space. You cannot get out and do your surface activities because you're actually traveling for 700 days to an asteroid, or even if it's to Mars, you know, for six, seven months. What are all the psychological and physiological impacts that your body goes through? And that's actually a very fascinating subject in itself. So we were looking at different uh, technologies that can help us overcome some of that. You, I mean, imagine staying in your kitchen with four other strangers for seven months and, you know, the the group dynamics, you know, and you're using, you, you have the whole uh, crew dynamics, um, the cohesion, how you perform as a group and as an individual, that was really fascinating to know. And we actually got to eat the same kind of food astronauts ate on space station, so the freeze-dried. We had our schedule set with all of the science um, activities that we were supposed to do. And all of this was basically to simulate an environment where astronauts would be, uh, but doing it here on Earth as a first step to study and learn and come up with countermeasures to help keep our humans alive. Then other two analogs I got to participate um, was conducted by Mars Society, and this was out in Utah, and pretty much in the middle of nowhere. There is this habitat that looks very much like what it could be uh, a Mars a habitat on Mars. And you're living there with six other, uh, five other crew members, total of six crew members, performing various uh, technology demonstrations in this case, you can actually um, step out in your simulated spacesuits. So every time we had to step out, we were uh, asked to wear our simulated spacesuits and do our science outside and then come back in. And you pretty much followed, you know, a schedule, what could be uh, a potential schedule, you know, if you're on Mars or the moon. And one of the coolest things is um, 
the technology I'm working on, as a precursor, I got to test a few things when we went out on a surface activity on how uh, we could mitigate this dust problem. And honestly, the whole idea of this carbon nanotubes and whatever technology came out was inspired by Batman and Spider-Man. I literally <laughs> drew inspirations from those characters uh, to be able to think outside the box and come up with uh, whatever the technology came to be now. So so what you're saying is that the new uh, astronaut suits will have capes. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> I feel like they would get stuck in like revolving doors. It would be super practical. I mean, there are no revolving doors on you That's know, right. On There's Mars no revolving stuff, doors so. in space. How, how yeah. would cape exist in space? <laughs> You'd have to have people standing behind you and waving them and then letting go and just letting it just go on its own. Oh, my own. God. That'd be brilliant. Oh. Perfect. Uh, you know, I've have de- actually seen documentary like I've seen uh, like NPR did a thing about those, and they seem so amazing and so interesting because I think so much about what is our challenge for humans going into space and going to Mars specifically is psychologically how do humans function in a small space with the same people. So I feel like that would be a huge challenge for me, and I think it's as scientists that must be amazing to be able to sort of not only be doing a research experiment, but also a research experiment that you are involved in through 24 hours a day, sort of thinking about how you would function and then how the next generation of astronauts will function. It seems like a cool process. It seems like a really creative process where you, you're you like facing these problems and you have a good idea about how to solve those problems, but then other stuff happens. Like you can never predict how somebody else is going to behave in a, like in a situation like that. You can't predict how you will either. I would go crazy. I, I was about to say <laughs> I would not survive very well. I would not do good in that kind of situation. <laughs> I share an office with two other people and I'm just like, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so props to you Absolutely. For, for, for doing that. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm um, sort of, you know, uh, taking a step back, I'm always sort of fascinated how people want to get into science. You know, what what was sort of the thing, you know, did you always know you wanted to, to do science for a living and you always knew you wanted to do something involved with space or was it something that came to you later in, in life? As long as I can remember, um, I was always inspired by the moon. Um, I grew up uh, back in India, and we had a terrace. Every house had a terrace. So my parents would take me up there to feed me, and they would show me the moon and be like, hey, yeah, if you eat, you can go there, you know, kind of the lullabies. And at some point, I thought that probably was real. Um, (laughs) When I think that... um, that fascination towards what's out there had started. Um, And even when I was, um, you know, six years and seven years old, I would ask my dad, you know, I was a very, very curious child. I would ask him, are there dinosaurs on the moon? You know, um, silly questions like that, but um, they took, you know, time to answer them patiently. We talked about time travel, and I always thought that it was something fascinating, that something's out there that I want to know. And that passion kind of grew. Um, and my parents um, had always, um, one thing that they had advised is no matter what you do in life, you know, the first, you know, until your high school, it's very important that you, um, you know, study well, have good grades, um, and it'll set your life. And in that process, they actually said, uh, you know, don't just do anything just for the heck, just to make good, get good grades, but do something that you're really passionate about. 
Uh, and at that time, I didn't know that there was something like aerospace engineering, <laughs> that it was a study. And I always used to say, I want to study the cosmos, I, you know, just random names. I want to know if there's something on the moon. So that kind of built upon um, and eventually I had the opportunity to my parents moved here so I could actually study and uh, work, be able to work for NASA and Boeing and, you know, all of the space companies here. Uh, so that kind of set the stage and gave me uh, the motivation. Um, so it's, it's, I would say it's a combination of my parents providing that support uh, and encouraging the idea that, um, you know, this could be done, led the way to what I'm doing today. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is a, a powerful message in general, that there there is a possibility for you to to explore the cosmos. But and it's not just you don't just have to look and look, look in a telescope to explore the cosmos. You can help other people explore because what you're doing is so important. You're creating the technology that's going to allow the next generation of astronauts go into space. And even beyond that, so, you know, now that you're finished your PhD, sort of what is, you know, obviously you're going to continue to work on the Starliner, but like, what are you looking to do even more in the future? Oh boy, there's like so many things. I was just thinking about this when I defended my research a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, what do I do? There's just like so many options. Um, I would love to continue on my research aspect. I love spacesuits. I do dream one day I'll be able to wear one of them. <laughs> we'll see otherwise at least help, you know, the future generation um, to be able to explore space. Um, again, continue working on the Starliner. We have also uh, some of the new next step projects that are coming on board. And, you know, be able to, I, I think the vision I have for the future is be a visionary and be able to lead some really cool space program in the future. <laughs> I mean, I think that's amazing. Yeah, that I mean, sounds good. That sounds like a good goal. <laughs> I feel like you have so much, so much in front of you, and so many opportunities because the, it's. I feel like the space race has begun again. Like there's such a race with like, and I think that's the thing no one knows about. Like no one knows. Like I came back from Florida and I was like, guys, like they're they're working on it right now, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? So I feel like people don't know that, like you said, that people don't know that there are humans and the space station as we speak going around the world like is it what they go around 14 times a day or something like that so I, I think that that is that the future is there for more people to get involved in this um, and so for those who are who don't know anything about the Starliner like where can they learn more about it um, our website Boeing.com has good information on the Starliner we also have a Boeing sponsored website called Beyond Earth.com uh, we post a lot of new um articles there on the Starliner. Um, and actually, I mean, this is such an exciting time to be part of space exploration. It's literally, we are uh, creating history today. Um, we, you know, the whole paradigm of space industry is changing. We are moving slowly from the government-led uh, space programs to commercial. So there's so much to do in the future. Um, and it's this possibility of, uh, you know, exploring space and it's not just limited to uh, a rocket scientist or somebody who's done aerospace engineering. We need pretty much everyone uh, from arts to the STEM world. So there's so much out there, and I'd like to bring that message out to anybody out there who wants to get involved in space exploration is, you know, um, go look at those opportunities out there and come, you know, help us push humanity to the next uh, frontier. 
Here, here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have a uh, social media? Can anyone, if anyone has questions for you, can they follow you on the socials? So I had deactivated my, my Facebook account until I submit my dissertation. Next week, I'll be on there. I'm on Facebook. so. Well, you can always uh, probably tweet at the Boeing handles, and they'll probably try and get you the questions back to you. So I know, I know, I know they're on all the social medias. So, well, I mean, I want to thank you so much. I feel like we could talk to you forever, um, but we all have jobs to do. And you, you finished your PhD, so you have to go back and, and, keep, on, and keep on designing amazing uh, spaceships. Um, is there anything else you wanted to sort of hit on? I feel like we hit on a lot. Is there anything else you want to talk about? It's, uh, this was a great, this was a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, just being able to share that passion with, um, you know, people outside, it's, it actually even inspires us here. Because uh, we, from my personal standpoint, as a human, we have so much potential. And being able to work um, and be part of, you know, small part of this biggest human endeavor which is taking, you know, our whole species to an entire different realm and showing the possibilities there. Really grateful for being able to work here. Um, and one thing, you know, for the next generation that I would like to pass on is, you know, follow your passions, whatever it may be, uh, to follow your passions and um, try to be good at whatever it is you're doing. Uh, whatever STEAM field you try to choose, try to be good at it um, and, um, you know, and, and enjoy the journey. Yeah, enjoying the journey, I feel like is the most important because you, you, you should have fun with the things you're doing day after day after day. Um, the things that you do should bring you joy. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And pursue that joy until until you can't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us about this. This is all just so interesting to me. Oh, my gosh. What you do is so cool. I'm, like, over here freaking out about it. It's so cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kavya, for joining us. Of course. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.